Today is Wednesday, March 25th, 2015, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. The subject content that you hear in these broadcasts, these Radio Wave broadcasts, are not like anything that you'll hear anywhere. We're very bold in saying that, but we're also very sure in saying that, that the direction that the friend of Medjugorje gives through these messages are from a life experience, a groaning capacity, having cognition of having lived with the messages through persecution, through difficulties, through sacrifices. There's so many things that give not an opinion of the message, but rather give an understanding of who Our Lady is. When you understand the person, you understand the words that the person is saying. And so tonight, we ask you to open your hearts as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. I haven't been this enthused about the messages and excited about the messages on a continued basis as the last few months compared to the last 30 or so years being involved with Medjugorje. Why is that? Because there is things that are new in these messages. Our lady went through a period of time where she says, I want to give you new messages, but I can't tell you new things until you live the ones in the past. And so our life, from the morning to dark tonight into the middle of the night when we wake up, we're thinking about the messages. Caritas is a community that already called for through, not just through the apparition, but through confirmation afterwards that she said this in 1988 about the forming of a community. That we eat, drink, and think continually about the messages. It's our conversation of the day. Just as much as some of your news analysts may be talking about politics or something else on an everyday basis. That might be a two-hour show or three-hour show, but ours is throughout our whole day. It'd be interesting to note if we've calculated how many times through the day in passing or each other or what we think or what we do, how many times the whole community itself, itself thinks of our lay's messages. And I would say it's into the hundreds of thoughts, if not even over a thousand or a couple of thousand times a day. It's what we do. It's what we pray for. It's what we want to live because Elias says, read my messages every day and transform them into life. We don't have a roadmap to do that. 
In fact, we don't even have a path to do that. When I started this, we was in the jungle, in the brush, and we've had to cut through the brush to find the path that lays leading us to, to her leading us to the words of the messages, that we can leave a path for you and others. And that's what this is about, to show you the path we've walked, what our lady's shown us through the messages. And when I tell you there's something new about these messages right now, take it to the bank. I'm very excited, not in a worldly way, but in seeing the manifestation after so long waiting that our lady is bringing to fruition the reality of the messages. And one of those things is our lady refers to, to Satan as Satan. And today she did something different. She did an escalation, a more importance rather, of when she's talking about Satan, how we should view him. And for the first time in a Thursday message, a monthly message, a second of the month message, a prayer group message, with all the visionaries, for the first time, she says devil today. Because the reality of the devil needs to manifest more strongly in you. Before it's been Satan, you may not think it's any difference. What's the difference between Satan and the devil? The devil sounds more devious in its verbiage. And it's a more direct thing to him individual. Jesus says, get behind me, you Satan. Peter was a Satan. Jesus didn't waste words. He wasn't saying hyperbole. He wasn't asking a rhetorical question, Peter, I don't want you to answer this. Get behind me, you Satan, for Peter to say, oh, I'm not Satan, Jesus. No, it's not rhetorical. And our lady's word today, using the word devil, is singularly to Lucifer. Yes, you can say a bunch of devils have done this, or this gang is just a bunch of devils. But you can also take this message in a stronger way, more potent, more concentrated, and pointing to the devil himself, Lucifer, and yes, Satan. But Peter was no more Lucifer in the sense of a devil, except Jesus says, you Satan. In other words, you're acting like Satan. You're being like that. So just this word change, just one thing, after all the Thursday messages and the monthly messages, the second month messages, the prayer group messages, she says, yes, there's translations in 1981 of the devil and 82 and 83, but the translations, I don't trust that sense and that they were distinguishing between Satan and the devil in a more exact way than they are now. Perhaps I never said the devil in those few messages in the beginning days. But I knew when I saw that word, this means something else. This is a new level. There's a new message here in the verbiage itself. And so when you hear this message, it's a message that's showing us more confrontation, more escalation, more coming of the fulfillment of her coming here and why she's coming here. The date is approaching. And I don't care if it's five years from now, that's too soon for it to happen. It will be here before you know it. And so listening to these words, Take into consideration, what is Our Lady saying? Our Lady of Medjugorje's March 25th, 2015 monthly message to the world. Dear children, also today, 
The Most High permits me to be with you and to lead you on the way of conversion. Many hearts have shut themselves to grace and have become deaf to my call. You, little children, pray and fight against temptation and all the evil plans which the devil offers you through moderism. Be strong in prayer, and with the cross in your hands, pray that evil may not use you and may not conquer in you. I am with you and pray for you. Thank you for having responded to my call. I'm going to jump a little bit farther down the message and to a few words I'm going to ask you about here that I suspect, or it can be easily assumed, I think, that these words are probably not going to be touched by anyone with a 10-foot pole. And that's the words, pray that evil may not use you. And maybe that's, maybe you're not ready to get into that topic, but stands out first and foremost in this message, those words. Well, the devil would rather have the use of the ministers, the use of those who follow Our Lady, the use of the priests, the bishops, than he would anybody that's not Christian. The delight of a fall of a priest in a parish is much greater than the whole congregation falling. His priority for that is because if he falls, then he brings down many in the congregation. But if he stays up, the congregation can't fall. So Satan, the devil, always goes after the generals. And so the apostles were attacked. They suffered. All but one was crucified or either persecuted or killed or stoned or told to jump off. James was thrown off the, the walls of Jerusalem. Stephen, after the twelve, was martyred as the first one. Because one thing he does do is he hates them. But evil may not use you is a remarkable thing. Actually, I underlined that when I first read the message. Be strong in prayer and with the cross in your hands, pray that evil may not use you. But that's accompanied by something else she says, and may not conquer in you. Not conquer in inside of you, not conquer you, conquer in you. In other words, she's saying evil may not use you and also evil may not conquer in you or through you, others, and bringing them to tradition. It's an amazing statement. So Satan wants our lady's apostles to fall and to use them to bring others down instead of bringing them to her. And so this is something to be meditating on. Are you being used and not realizing it? Are you promoting things unseen to you because you're not enough reflection and prayer to realize this is not a good witness, it's bad? I'm on the wrong path. Fight against temptation. And all the evil plans which the devil offers you through modernism. This message is really important. There's a lot to be said by these things. And Satan wants to come in as a wrecking ball to destroy everything that she's built. I mean, we're in an epic battle. Something of proportions that is biblical. We can't say the apparitions 
or public revelations because public revelations ceased with John, the death of the last apostle. What we can say is, this is public revelations. Medjugorje is public revelations in the sense that the private revelations of which Medjugorje really are and what Our Lady is saying in her messages are speaking about public revelations. It's bringing to light the reality of the moment that we're in. And so Our Lady is saying, I am with you. Our Lady said here again today, as she said on the, I think it was the second of the month. Also today, the Most High permits me to be with you and to lead you on the way. Big words. Because she just told us, maybe it was the 18th, she says that I am leading you. Well, we're supposed to be led by a clergy. We're supposed to be led by a, the, the church. What's happening? Why is that not the case? Because the church is in a state that is incapable of being cured. It cannot happen within it. Our Lady made the distinction on March 2nd that is really profound. I said it last show, I think. But it's worthy, much more worthy than just being mentioned one time. Mentioned to where you get it and got it and understand it. She says, you are my strength, you my apostles. It cannot be any clearer than that. And once more, the message is the words she starts off with after dear children. So the very beginning of the second of the month on 2015 to Mariana, she says, on our behalf, because it's not for Mariana, this is not her message. She receives it just like we do. We're equal and in equal stations in our positions to have this and understand it. Don't think Mariana understands this more than you do. You pray and comprehend to understand it. You may even understand it greater than she does. I've had Maria ask me certain things about the messages, and she receives the 25th message. But I have to struggle to find out more, and I work more on the messages, and sometimes there's insights that I might have that she don't have. There's insights she has that I don't have, because what she sees is a different perspective, and she sees the mother, and she hears the words. She feels the power of those words. I have to struggle to fight and pray and comprehend, fast and sacrifice, and live through the cognition to understand it. And we both often compliment each other in that. So don't think because Mariana has that, she has everything and everything you could have. So what's seen in this, she starts with these words, you are my strength, you my apostles. Go through the whole message. It's a long message. Go to the very bottom of the messages. How does she end it? With another group of people. There's a separation here. Do we call it division? Some people may say, and some people may take it as a division, but it's a compliment to each other because one can't do what the other does and the other can't do what the other one does. And because we can't fix a church, do what the church is today, Our Lady's coming to raise up her apostles. You are my strength. You are my apostles. Set on one side of the spectrum of the message and ends on another spectrum of the message, a clear distance from the other. That's distinguished as two groups right now. The other group is this group. Pray for your shepherds because they are the strength of the church which my son left you. So who is it that already left the church? The apostles. Who are the apostles? The bishops. The Holy Father. 
This can disturb a lot of people, even theologians. What, what's happening here? There's an earthquake about to happen. You better believe it. What do shepherds do? Do they put together a flock? No, they watch the flock. Who's going to put together the flock today? Who's going to bring people into the church? Who's going to be the ones out there evangelizing to the end of the earth with a new way, a new method, a new enthusiasm flying across the earth, as Louis de Montfort said, with the power of the word, the cross in one hand, a lady said today, with the cross in your hands, pray that evil may not use you and may not conquer in you. You're to be the apostle with the cross in one hand and the rosary in the other. That was foretold by Louis Montfort 300 plus years ago. And so what do we do? We gather a flock. We put it together. And we can do that in no way that the church and the clergy inside the church can do today. Their hands are tied. I just heard a story privately. Somebody knew a bishop. They were very successful. He's a very holy bishop. He's a very good bishop. He raised a lot of money. And the U.S. Bishops Conference wants to stop him. And it's not dogma what he's not doing. It's just something as a bishop he can do because a bishop is a pope of his diocese and he's free. But they want the lasso a certain bishop. Stime him because he's standing out from apart the others. So this comedian or these committees stop the good and any bishop or priest that stands out is hammered down. There's an evil inside the church working through organization working through styming, bureaucracy, closing down things that stand up. And I could tell you many more stories that I'm not allowed to tell you. Because one thing, it'd be scandalous. Secondly, it's confidential. And I don't say that lightly or just withhold something from you. But we have a system and a, and a method of the world that the whole Stops the individuals. The church was always renewed by an individual. St. Francis, go rebuild my church. Can you imagine the whole universal church? Can you imagine the Catholic world in his time all across Europe, going to China, going to other places, evangelizing, and using the power of Ignatius Loyola to go to the Asian countries and the Jesuits, built on what Loyola preached and taught with his life. St. Francis, St. Dominic, Teresa of Avila, renewing what she did. All these people were individuals. They were not a committee. We're a committee church. Committees do not work, cannot work, and always, always stems thing. When God changes things, he comes to an individual. And this is so radical and so drastic that he's gone to the individual who's the Virgin Mary, who is dispensing authority, growing authority, establishing authority, and her apostles. So March 2nd defined two different groups. One, you are my strength, you are my apostles. She's raising up apostles foretold by Louis de Montfort in the latter days to spread across the world evangelizing with God's word. And she doesn't negate that there's other shepherds who are the apostles, which are the bishops, and the other shepherds in the church. But she distinguishes these are two different groups. We're not to be submissive to those who the Son, she says, let 
left to you. They are the strength of the church with my son left to you. Does that sound, uh oh, is this rebellion? No, we have our mission. We work for a lady. We're in union with bishops. But they don't have authority over us on what our lady's asking us to do. We're free as Catholics. All the norms and the dogmas of the church give us that freedom. You got some good holy bishops out there that's being scorned, being stopped. They can't do what they know needs to be done. Their hands are tied. We are not. We are free. We're not on an order of obedience or in a, a different order that restricts you from doing things when you start bringing renewal and you get squashed down. We're the agents of the world today that will bring conversion to the entire world. And that's what she said. Is you are to convert the entire world. That's God's desire. June 25th, 2007. It's God's desire for the conversion of the entire world. By who? Her apostles. It's not going to happen in the structure of the church. So how do these roles play out? They are to be the shepherds. They're to watch a flock. We are to fill and make and create the flock. This flock that we will be gathering people from all over the world we can't give them the Eucharist. We can't hear their confessions. We can't give them these things of the church. That's left up to the shepherds. So we're moving in a proactive role. And in some ways, they're in the passive role of evangelization. We're in a passive role of the sacraments because we can't do it. We can tell them about it. We can bring it to it. But they administrate that. And this is how the church will be renewed. And this is very, very new stuff. And also very dangerous because you'll have some bishops that's going to oppose this with all their might because they'll lose control of this timing thing that the devil has entered into the church, just like Paul the Sixth. Paul the Sixth said the smoke of Satan has entered the church. This is the Pope. And we know it. And we believe it. And we've seen it. And we experience it. If you don't know these things, you don't really understand fully what's taking place right now. And then we have Mariana saying on this March 18th, Message a few days after this one about you are my strength, you are my apostles. That when things start happening, things of which your lady has come for, you will comprehend why she chose March 18th. So all this stuff that's happening, all these things that have taken place, Mariana reveals something by saying this, when things start happening, she's going to have her apostles through cognition, tried, run through the fire of refinement like gold, to be pure and to walk that. And that's what she said. Fight against temptations and fight evil plans which the devil offers you through modernism. Be strong in prayer and with the cross in your hands, pray that evil may not use you and may not conquer in you. Louis de Moffert, his words were, in his statement, talking about this, he's talking about a lady coming here in the future, raising up apostles of the latter days, and he says this, They shall thunder against sin, they shall storm against the world, they shall strike the devil and his crew, and they shall pierce through and through for life or for death with the two-edged sword of the word of God, all those to whom they shall be sent on part of the Most High. And she said today, March 25th, Dear children, also today, the Most High, isn't that strange? 
that 300 plus years ago, he says, she'll be sent on the part of the Most High. And our lady says today, and she's talking about the cross in the hand. And I'll get to that in a minute, what Louis DeMarfer said about the cross in the hand. But the most that's not by mistake. She's conjuring up the past of what's even prophetically told by St. Louis de Moffat. And who's the Most High? People think man is. They think the president is, or king, or some system, or, or the world, or modernism. The Most High being is God himself. The lowest is the devil. And so Louis de Moffat comes on and says, all those whom they shall be sent on part of the Most High they shall have in their mouths the two-edged sword of the word of God. They shall carry the cross in the right hand and the rosary in the left hand. And he ends this with these words. As for us, this is Louis de Montfort talking about in his present moment, 300 plus years ago. As for us, we have but to hold our tongues to pray in sigh and to wait. He was sad for this. He didn't see these days that you're living. He wanted this moment. He even says, with expectation, I have waited. Can you imagine me giving this glorious moment of prophetic walk we're in today and hoping it would happen in his lifetime and that you're sitting where he wanted to sit and she's asking you to fight evil and you do nothing about marriages being rearranged in your state of what's taking place? And this is rolling through the country like nothing could be imagined 15 years, 25, 50 years ago especially. It's everywhere. It's like a tornado. And that's what Satan is. And he's making a storm. He'll come into your house and tear everything up. He wants to destroy everything. That's his way. He might hide everything from you. He may be going this way. But he wants to lift your house, turn it upside down, spin it all around, and destroy it, your family, your marriage, your work. His force he uses in the culture is devastating to everyone. And you want to sit around and wait?
fight against temptation and all the evil plans which the devil offers you through modernism. When Our Lady says the devil's offering you temptations, it almost sounds in a passive way that he's doing this. Obviously, he's not being passive about it. And from heaven's point of view, you can probably see very clearly what's evil, what's not evil. How do we get out of the cloud that is modernism to be able to see that Satan is the one that's behind it and is offering us glitter? You can't escape it. It's all around us. It's in what we do, what we eat, what we breathe, everything. From fruit products, not truth the GMO, genetically modified food that has never been on the earth before, new organisms, all the way through entertainment, through the fairy fabric of life, education, everything is filled with modernism. So how do we escape from that? There's only one way. You have to pray. You have to fast. You have to do penance. And you have to be in peace. These things have to be acquired for you to get yourself in a proper disposition, not to understand it, but the God at that point, when you've got enough prayer in your life and these four basic messages, that you can begin to see things in a new light. Many Christians don't see this. They're confused over this whole marriage issue. We heard somebody, somebody today. It's unbelievable. How can you be confused about that, except you're so absorbed by the world as lies, the devil, and what he does, that you can't see it anymore? You're part of it. Modernism is something that's come out into the church that it was so strong in its entry into the culture that even Pope Pius wrote an oath against modernism in 1910. It's an amazing thing. So what is modernism? What is this history? What is our lady saying this? She said, May 25th, 2010, the first time she ever used the word, she says, Dear children, God gave you the grace to live and to defend all the good. What did she say? Defend all the good. How? She's giving you grace to live that. Are we seeing what's good? No. She's told this today. That's what Joan's questions were referring to. All the good that is in you and around you. So that, yes, there is good around us. All around us. How come we don't see it? Because we're captivated by glitter. She goes on and says, around you and to inspire others to be better and holier. But Satan too does not sleep and through modernism diverts you and leads you to his way. What does that mean? She goes on and says, therefore, little children, in the love of my immaculate heart, love God above everything and live his commandments. In this way, your life will have meaning and peace rule on earth. We're not going to have peace in the way things are operating at this moment. Why? Because it's shaped by modernism. It's a philosophical movement that was transformed. Purpose was to transform Western society in the late 1900s and 20th century. What shaped it? The development of industrial societies. The rapid growth of cities, which we've spoken about that many times, and the death of civilization, something I wrote years ago. Cities don't work, can't work, have never worked. 
Adam and Eve was confined to the soil. Cain and Abel were their children. Cain killed Abel. Cain was confined to the city. Go read your Bible. Read sacred scriptures. You could say maybe he's the father of cities. So if Cain killed his brother, and modernism is part of the rapid growth of cities, which makes you depend on man rather than God, and agricultural agrarian societies, you have to depend on God to bring the rain. The city solves those problems. And the third thing is the horror of World War I. All this shaped modernism. Modernists in the early 1900s rejected religious belief. They called for a re-examination of existence. Modernists sought what was holding back progress and replaced it with a new way of getting to the same goal. It's not that modernism doesn't want the same goal that we want or that God wants. It's the path. That's the difference. The devil's path or God's path. He wants you to have a house. He wants you to live and be fed. And Satan will allow that, but through a different path, through the city, through difficulty, through the society, all tangled up with all kinds of temptations. It also rejects the past and traditional forms. They hated history and tradition, art, literature, religious faith, social organization, not order, meaning the order of society, not organizations of social, like socialism but social organization of the culture and activities of daily life, realism. The devil wants this and was shaping the modern thought in this. They wanted to make everything new. That was the catch phase in 1934 of the movements when it was approaching creating the cultures of the past. In other words, recreating history and tradition, rewriting history to make everything new. And we see this. We call them revisionists. We've written about this many times and talked about it. They come along through different things that they wanted to do, characterize everything as self-conscious, a new way of thinking, pay tributes to the works of the past and tradition by rewriting, revision, and, and parody. In other words, a twist on tradition. They don't want tradition. Why? Because tradition teaches you things of the past. When our ladies joined the community here and we grew, before the community, I wanted to establish Tradition. We want it on cemetery. We want to do things with our children that the, our grandkids would do with them, play in the same creeks. And all those things wedded into a parallel when I came with the messages that I was already formed in my thought, more so than I ever dreamed of, in line with the messages by decisions I'd made before I knew anything about our lady coming, before I went to Medjugorje. I was set, I was primed. And had been walking that way. It could only be by the design of God. So the human experience altered the modern industrialization. You had Charles Darwin, you had Karl Marx, Simon Freud, you had Picasso, who even as a young kid I did not like. I remember going to Chicago and seeing this is one of Picasso's works standing by the interstate. It is disgusting. There was nothing about art. And I couldn't have been no more than nine or ten years old looking how stupid this was. And yet this man is held up as something great. So due to World War I's and the Russian Revolution, the world was drastically changed for the first time. We had mass killing in ways that we had never seen before. People had been seen dying by the millions, fighting over just a piece of earth. 
So in this period of modernism, what they saw, the adoption of technologies in the daily ordinary life of people in Western Europe and North America, electricity came along, telephone came along, radio came along, cars came along. And the need to work with them and repair them and live with them created social change. The speed of communication reserved for the stockbrokers of 1890s became part of the family life in middle-class America. That's modernism. It's much deeper than that. But this was to such a degree that the Holy Father, His Holiness St. Pius, September the 1st, wrote this oath to be sworn by all the clergy, the pastors, confessors, preachers, religious superiors, professors in philosophy and theology in seminaries. Isn't it amazing that this Pope saw this and we're going through this whole thing we've never heard anything until he comes up and says the word modernism. We start digging into it and we see there's an oath against that by everybody in the church to speak and denounce modernism. Today they stand out on the streets and think you're some kind of jerk or some kind of caveman. Why would you be against all these things? Because they're not praying in penance and fast and peace. They don't understand that this is a loss of peace. The oath affirmed the teaching authority of the church, principal truths which were directly opposed to errors of that day, back in 1910. That's in 1910. Can you imagine now what it is? God's is the origin and end of all things, can be known with certainty by natural light and reason from the created world. See, we got rid of the created world and went to man's created world. And what happened with that, we started looking for his things and his products that we made, and we no longer looked at nature. Our lady said, it's nature who God speaks through. So we got the same judgments that is common in ordinary historical documents that all were changed. So in addressing modernism, part of the oath says, I declare that I am completely opposed to the error of the modernist who hold that there is nothing divine in sacred tradition or what is far worse say that a group of men by their own labor, skills, and talent have continued to subsequent ages a school begun by Christ and his apostles. It goes on and says in this oath, and we'll probably put this on our site because it's important for you to learn this and take this oath. The oath continues, the Pope says, what he wrote, the purpose of this is then not that the dogma may be tailored according to what seems better and more suited to the culture for each age, rather that the absolute and immutable truth preached by the apostles from the beginning may never be believer or to be different, may never be understood in any other way. And that's, in essence, the cold hard truth. Satan wants to change things, give you a lie, all the time to give you a truth. How does that say it? Am I contradicting something? No, Satan will tell you truth. With the purpose of next line he's going to give you is a lie. He comes to you at your death. He wants to get owed what you give to him. You're a slave to temptation. Our Lady said, give the victory to Jesus. Actually, on July 12th, 1984, our Lady says, Satan wants to Frustrate my plans. Pray that his plans be not be realized. I will pray to my son Jesus to give you the grace to experience the victory of Jesus in the temptations of Satan. One week later, she said, These days you have been experiencing how Satan is working. I am always with you and do not be afraid of temptations because God is always watching over us and I have given myself to you and I sympathize with you even in the smallest temptations. 
These two fundamental messages about warning Satan wants to tempt you this week, and he's got a plan that my plan is not be realized. And then she says, give the victory of the temptation to Jesus. And this is the way it is. When you're tempted, turn over your temptation to a lady. Immediate when it's a germ. I can't remember whether it's Sister Mary Jesus of Greta, her book about Jesus that she talks in the beginning, or, or maybe the mystical city of God, that in the beginning, Lucifer, the beautiful angel, the one next to God, more like God, let at one point just a small thought, just a tiny, tiny germ in his heart. And he didn't reject it at that point. And it grew, got stronger, and grew, and got stronger until rebellion happened. He talked to the other angels, hey, we, we don't have to f- go by these rules. And he got a third of heaven following him, who eventually was cast down to hell. So when you're tempted, when you feel something coming on, when you feel a thought that you shouldn't think, immediately say, Mary, take this, I'm giving this to you. And that's what these two weekly messages are. Read these, study them. July 12th, 1984. July 19, 1984. Give Jesus the victory because the devil doesn't give you the cohort truth. He gives you the lie. And there comes a time when he'll pay back. Right there at your death, he'll be after you. God is down a dirt road walking toward me He's kicking up dust, it's coming up over that hill So I got a few more steps to get myself together If I don't do it now, Lord knows I never will Cause there's forgiveness that I've been forgetting Some hate that I've held on to Some love that I've left reaching for me A lot left undone that I need to do You can ride on the wings of angels Or you can burn and pay the devil his due Cause there's a heaven up above and a hell down below That's just the cold hard truth Cold heart truth Cold heart truth I'm just a guy with holes in his pockets Running around and wearing down the soles of his shoes I've been a slave to temptation I got tripped up when I had the chance to choose Yeah, they say that there's always tomorrow To make up for yesterday (laughs) Yeah, that's just a lie the devil tells you For the last breath that you take You can ride on the wings of angels devil is due there's a heaven up above and a hell down below that's just the cold hard truth the cold hard truth cold hard truth cold hard truth 
that's just the cold hard truth, cold hard truth. We have this message that shows us exactly what the March 2nd message was talking about. Our Lady raising up her apostles and Jesus having his apostles. This message today, today says, Dear children, also today the Most High permits me to be with you and to lead you on the way of conversion. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. It's broken. It's not happening. This might be difficult to digest. I know it's difficult for the good bishops out there that really want to be holy, who can't get past the wave that's drowning everybody, and even the things that's building into committees that stop, and the curtain of power that surrounds, and maybe not even seeing what needs to be done. But Our Lady brings clarity to the messages that the Most High permits her to come, lead us on the way to conversion, that we might be able to lead others on the way to conversion. And we really, truly are going to be her apostles, just the same as Jesus did his apostles. She's building a new infrastructure of authority on the earth to renew the church. This can be taken and interpreted as apostasy, really, or heretical. We got the church. We got the church. Well, why did St. Francis come? Why didn't they go to somebody inside the church? Why not a religious already? Why just a layman? This has happened repeatedly in the church. And now things are so complicated, so intertwined, nobody within the ranks of the church on obedience can rise up to do what is necessary. They're handcuffed. And so God sends Our Lady. And this is a revelation. And I want to qualify that so I can say I'm saying public revelation. It's private revelations about the fruit of what is to come to understand about public revelation. That Our Lady is here as woman of chapter 12 revelations to do the battle to the dragon. And you say, what can a woman do? A lot. In Medjugorje, they'd been fighting the war over and over and over. It looked like it was no end. It got to where so much hatred was between people that lived in the same block, same neighborhood in Mostar and other cities. They couldn't stop it. Finally aspirated, the women and little girls decided they'd come from all ranges to Medjugorje barefooted. Thousands of women, thousands of them. They marched all the way. Some walked for days, all in the dresses, to beg as women knowing what they had to do, just like our lady knows what she has to do today, so they can put everything with the war into Jesus' hands, because they knew he would come through. And you know what our lady did right after that, or sometime in that time frame? She says, thank you for your prayers. This war will end as soon as possible. An incredible thing, the power of women when they get together. And this is who our lady's coming for first, to raise up the woman, to elevate her back to holiness, that all those around, all those she touched, what she touches turns to holy. We saw this reality in Medjugorje. Our Lady's here to show this reality today. The river ran through Howard County. It was a lifeblood of the land. It made fields of green Aching backs and calloused hands Mama talked of a coming battle 
that the women folk had to fight. Cause the good Lord owned the daytime, but the devil seemed to own the night. Well, it came up out of nowhere from a dark and bitter sea. It was the roughest kind of roadhouse and a most unwanted weed. It drew the men folk like a magnet. The women knew what they had to do. So they put it in the hands of Jesus, cause they knew that he'd come through. And the Lady Sid today in the message, with the cross in your hands, pray that evil may not use you. Why the cross? What is it about the cross Our Lady's trying to get us to understand there? Well, the cross is exorcistic. Your exorcist priests use that. The cross is a sign, and, and even evil uses it in the vampire stories and the movies and everything like that. The cross is powerful. The, Our Lady said once that the special grace is emitted from the cross, from the crucifix even. When you go in front of a crucifix, you have things. You have St. Bridget 
in the church of St. Paul's behind the walls. Where there's no feet on Jesus because so many people touched this crucifix because this crucifix spoke to St. Bridget and gave her the 15 promises and the St. Bridget prayers. There's power in the cross, real power. We have the crucifix we've given to us by Father Sofko in his bedroom with hundreds of apparitions in Medjugorje that have brought many people here to pray for our nation because I took it to consecrate it to the conversion of our nation and Maria said a prayer over it that was incredible, very deep prayer. And you couldn't have told me standing in her house in Medjugorje when Sofko gave this to me that that would be in our bedroom and then over 100,000 people would have come there and that we would have the Mother of God in front of that same crucifix 100, well, 180 times or so. You never know where God's going to lead you. But one thing is, Alice says, follow me because she's leading you. I couldn't have wrote the most imaginative story of where Alice has taken us. But Alice said, February 25th, 1988, let the rosary always be in your hands as a sign to Satan that you belong to me. I walk around at airports and sometimes I'll see somebody glance at it. I'm saying the rosary, I'm not doing it for show, but it's a sign to Satan. It's a sign of people that see that, who Satan has it. Oh, I used to say that rosary. Or my grandmother has said that. What is that? In France, it's amazing the people that will stare at you when you walk down the streets carrying the rosary. It, they, 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 they put their eyes down. They follow you. Their eyes turn toward you as you go without turning the head. It strikes them. And if Ali says, let the rosary always be in your hands as a sign to Satan that you belong to me, they cannot be done without grace attached to it. Something happens. My grandson, Bishop Augustine, was walking with his father. He's three to four years old. They live in Texas. They were always go to the left when they walk down the road. They live at the end of a, of a road with on 20 acres. And they've got a neighbor over the one house over next that's moved in a year ago. They got a few kids, never met them, don't know who they are, don't know nothing about them. And little Bishop is the first to walk by him, and he looks down and he says, is that a brown scapular? Because here we imprint our kids, you have the scapular. You want to go to heaven, you got to wear that. They learn about messages. We spoke about this before. So he sees the scapular, and this man says, is that a scapular? And Bishop doesn't answer him. He says, is that, is that your scapular? He says, I need it. He thought the guy was trying to get it. And then he goes and asks him again, is that, the, is that a brown scapular? It's mine. I need it. And so then Kyle's father starts talking to something. I don't know the exact sequence. But he asks Bishop, is, is Mary your mother? I need my scapular. He thinks this guy's after it. And says, no, no. Who, who's your mother? My mother's Michelle. But, I, I, but I, just, I need my scapular. So they start this conversation. You don't go down the road and ask somebody, are you Catholic? Yeah, I'm Catholic. You don't, you don't do that. They haven't even talked to this person before. So they find out he's Catholic because this little boy, three, four-year-old boy, is wearing his scapular. It's out of his shirt. This brought up a topic. And whoever would imagine that from that one point that this man and his family and his kids would be on my son's land the next day praying an apparition rosary in the back of their property near the river. You couldn't write a script like that. All because that sign was there. 
Our Lady says, put the cross in one hand. Louis de Montfort says, put the cross in the right hand, the rosary in the left. Our Lady said, the rosary is a sign to Satan that you belong to me. And the cross is a sign of redemption. This means something. There's an epic battle taking place. And with this, when Our Lady says something, she means to do that. You start carrying downtown or at the malls when you're shopping, when you're looking for clothes, you put that rosary in your hand. Do that. Walk around with it. We're looking for a holy people with expectation to be spending eternity that they're in preparation for that now. Why be embarrassed about that? We've got to do that. The battle between the devil and Jesus Christ was fought. Nothing else like that has ever happened. And we used to play a song for our children that made that in some kind of more of a dramatic way of showing who was the champion. The devil thought he was. He killed the Christ. And so the sign only asked for, the rosary in your hands, as a sign of Satan, shows his defeat. The cross in your hand speaks to Satan of defeat. That's why she said it. Put the cross in your hands and pray that evil may not use you and may not conquer in you. There is power to fight temptations and the evil plans that modernism brings you. Just like, again, this rearrangement of marriage. Who's stopping it? Nobody. Do you want to be on the side of the champion or not? You decide. Between the one named Lucifer and the Morning Star, the ultimate of good. Enveloped by a trillion planets, clean as lightning and hard as granite. A cosmic coliseum would host the end of the war between the Lord of sin and death, and the omnipotent creator of man's first breath, who will decide who forever will be the champion.
audience for the fight of the ages was assembled and in place. The angels came in splendor from a star. The saints that had gone before were there, Jeremiah, Enoch, Job. They were singing the song of Zion on David's heart. The demons arrived, offensive and vile, cursing and blaspheming God, followed by their trophies, dead and gone. Hitler, Napoleon, Pharaoh Capone, tormented and vexed and grieved, waiting for their judgment from the throne. Then a chill swept through the mammoth crowd, and the demons squealed with glee as a sordid, vulgar, repulsive essence was felt. Arrogantly prancing, hands held high, draped in a sparkling shroud, trolled by demons, Satan ascended from hell. Then Satan cringed, the sinners groaned, the demons reeled in pain as a swell of power like silent thunder rolled. With a surge of light beyond intense, illuminating the universe in resplendent glory, appeared the Son of God. Then a persona, yes, extraordinaire, appeared in center ring. God the Father will oversee the doom. Opening the book of life, each grandstand hushed in awe. As majestically he said, now here's the rules. He'll be wounded for their transgressions, bruised for iniquity. When he said by his stripes they're healed, the devil shook. He screams, sickness is my specialty. I hate that healing junk. God said, you shut your face, I wrote the book. Then the father looked at his only son and said, you know the rules. Your blood will cleanse their sin and calm their fears. Then he pointed his finger at Satan and said, and I know you know the rules been twisting them to deceive my people for years. Satan cried, I'll kill you, Christ. You will never win this fight. The demons wheezed, That's right. There ain't no way. Satan jeered, You're a dead man, Jesus. I'm gonna bust you up Jesus said, Go ahead, make my day. Final blow, saved for the final round. 
prophetically, Christ's hands came down and Satan struck in vengeance. The blow of death fell Jesus to the ground. The devils roared in victory. The saints shocked and perplexed as wounds appeared upon his hands and feet. Then Satan kicked him in his side and blood and water flowed. And they waited for the ten count of defeat. God the Father turned his head, his tears announcing Christ was dead. The ten count would proclaim the battle's end. Then Satan trembled through his sweat in unexpected horror. Yet, as God started to count, by saying, ten. Hey, hey, wait a minute, God. Nine. You're counting wrong. Eight. His eyes are Seven. His fingers are twitching. Six. Where's this light coming from? Five. He's alive. Four. And so it is, there's this little boy, Ornish Scopler, minding his own business, walking down a Texas road in the middle of nowhere. They invited my son and his wife to their house at night. They stayed up to 12 o'clock talking. The conversation moved, do you know anything about Medjugorje? Oh, yes. We've read, look what happened while you're sleeping. Ain't gonna happen. And all these other things connected to what's here. My son and his wife both were shocked and surprised. Here it is, this guy's been there, living there, with his family for a whole year. They said, do you know a friend of Medjugorje? They, he said something to the reference, yes, I follow him. Of course, they were shocked. The neighbors were shocked. And all this, from a little boy who had his scapular exposed, what more can happen with the cross in your hand and the rosary carried out where people can see it? Don't think, even if you don't have communication, that there's a grace communicating to souls who may be saved by just making them think, that's what I need. My wife just told me she was going to divorce me. Or my child just told the mother something that was terrible for her to hear. I need to pray that rosary. You don't know what message will be conveyed. But if Our Lady said to do it, that means there's something attached to it. You may never know the stories of salvation that comes from just that sign that exposes Satan for what he is. He has won. 
stood a little boy in a scapular and brought one more soul in a family closer to Our Lady. He is alive forevermore. He is risen. He is Lord. He is one. He is one. He is alive forevermore. He is risen. He is the Lord. Do what the messages say to do. Let the words fall out and let God act. We wish you a lady. We love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave Show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com. Go to the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. You can also order the show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.